Today I want to preach on worship. And so something that's good for me, I, I, I always, um, I like this, and so I want to, I'd love us to do it as well as we preach on worship and as I can hopefully point you to the heartbeat of worship, I'd love us then to finish in the worship song. So the band's going to come back at the end of my message, and, and I'd love for that worship just to stand before God together, unitedly, and worship King Jesus this morning. It's a good thing to do, amen? We are going to start right now, our, uh, our, going for the next five weeks, we're going to preach through our values. If you're new with us, they're on the board wall over there in the dark, and so uh, they are Christ-centered, we are outward-focused, we're servant-hearted, disciple-making, and prayer-empowered. The way we always word it here, and we'd love for you to catch, because this is very, very, very crucial, and I'm going to be speaking on this a lot today. I need you to know that the four, the, the, the last four are a natural overflow of you being Christ-centered personally. I don't want you to ever slip into a religious kind of motion where you think, I've got to serve and I've got to pray and I've got to try and make disciples and I've, I have to be outward focused. I have to care about other people out there. That's where religion will creep in. And that's where suddenly you're, how much you think God loves you and how close to God you feel suddenly then starts to hinge on what you're doing. Where what I am convinced of scripturally, if you will just have a relationship with Jesus, just focus on you and Jesus and think nothing else, nothing else has to happen for him to love me, accept me, be for me, desire a relationship with me. I have to do nothing else. All I have to do is just look to him and nothing else. And, and he loves me as I am. Suddenly I want to do the other four. I don't know about you, but suddenly I want to be outward focused. Suddenly I want to be a generous person. Suddenly I want to serve on, on roster, not to get a task done, but because I know how awesome it is, that feeling when someone walks in after a crazy week and I get to love on them and smile or give them a coffee or help them however we can. I want to serve. I, I want to catch up with people and teach them how to read their word and, and help make disciples. And, and I want to pray because I'm not praying to a God saying, please don't smite me, oh mighty smiter, like Bruce Almighty. But I'm saying, God, thank you, as Calm said. Thank you for loving me when I wasn't worthy of being loved. That's prayer. Just so you know, that, that's, that's prayer as well. God, thank you for not punishing me, smiting me when I deserved it. But instead loving me, chasing me down. Filling me with your grace and mercy, washing my sins away, making me a brand new creation. Thank you for that. See, prayer flows. Praise flows. And what we're going to talk about today is worship flows. Worship is not the slow song. You get that, right? It's not like, ah, oh, there's a praise song because it's like quicker. And you know, it's going quicker. Jesus, you're the best. Jesus, we love you. No, slow it down. Yeah, we need more worship songs. Just slow it down. Jesus, you're the best. Jesus, we, now it's a worship song. No, no, no. it's not the speed, it, it's, it's a heart. You can worship God at work with no music playing. You can, actually, maybe, um, we haven't actually done this yet, but you, it, it might be possible for you to worship God in the kitchen while your kids are screaming at you. If you've done that, can you tell me how, actually? I, I need to get myself there. I'm just grinding my teeth and trying to count backwards from 100. No, just, well, you can worship God anywhere because it's an overflow of your heart. When you stop and you're in such gratitude to God and your heart truly sees him for who he is. Calm was just worshiping, giving you an offering message. 
And what I want to bring us back to is that heartbeat that to be Christ-centered is not just to know the gospel in your head and to be Christ-centered is not just to say Jesus lots. For us to be Christ-centered is for us to be completely in love with him. He's our savior. He's our king. Amen. You've got your Bible. Please head on over to John chapter 4. Today I want to speak on an encounter that if you're familiar with scripture, or you've been in church for a while, you would have heard this story uh, a couple of times, maybe several times, maybe even hundreds of times. But um, for half of the room, I want to pull something out you might have never seen. For the other half, you might have already seen this, but please hear me when I say this. This is the most important topic I can ever preach on, in my opinion. So that alone should get us to really pay attention to what's going on here. John chapter 4, to fill you in if you're not familiar with the story, Jesus is uh, so tired that he's on a journey through Samaria with his disciples. He's so tired he stops by a well. The disciples go further into town to get some food and drink for him to bring back to him. And he's left alone in the middle of the day with a woman who is coming out to, to draw water. She's a Samaritan. Samaritans were outcasts. They were not accepted by Jews or Gentiles. And she is there at midday, which we find out later in the stories because she's been through five husbands and is now with a man who is not her husband. And so most people, it's been told, would either the women would go get water in the morning because it's the Middle East, uh, it's not so hot, or at the end of the day. And so she's an outcast and she's there in the middle of the day, scorching heat, getting water. And we see this encounter with our uncreated God, Jesus replied to this woman, if only you knew the gift God has for you, or who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. I'm going to read that one verse again. We're going to go through a few today, but please catch this, I beg you. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Verse 11, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this, this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Verse 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Well, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman said. And Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? While we Samaritans claim it is here in Mount... I'm going to say Gerizim. Chris, any corrections? Gerizim, let's go with that. If you're ever not confident when you're reading a place in the Bible, it just I didn't just do it, but just so you guys know, just say it quickly, and everyone will be like, oh, that must be how it's pronounced, but I have no idea. Mount Jarada. 
While we Samaritans claim it is here in Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship. Verse 21, Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter. Could you say that with me? The only time today. No longer matter. No longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the only, the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Finish with this, for God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you, God, that you are here right now. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us again. We do not desire to simply attend church, know parts of the Bible, and call ourselves Christians. God, we desire you. You. Jesus, we long for you. May we joyfully say that everything else is rubbish compared to knowing you, being with you, experiencing your presence, God. Lord, may we long for you. Help us. Help us. Echo John the Baptist's words. Help us decrease so you can increase in us. Great God. In your name we pray. Amen. I, um, I don't know why. I, I, I don't know if it's a guy thing or just me. I love watching those survival TV shows. The kind of Bear Grylls ones, you know what I mean, where it's like, must be because I'm an office boy with like hands, like no calluses anywhere. I used to be a builder with dad and do shop fitting and now I type and drink coffee. And so I've just got like smooth hands. And so when I see someone like lost in the jungle, I'm like, yes, living vicariously through you. But if I go out there, I'm like, oh, a leech. <laughs> like, I don't, something about those shows, though, like Bear Grylls will forever be my idol because the guy loves Jesus, doesn't have a Bogan accent, kind of sounds cool because he's pommy, and can survive anything. I'm like, you are the man. You just added to the Trinity, like Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Bear. Like, I, I love it so much. And so I'm always, uh, back when I was uh, a teenager, living with mum and dad and having Foxtel, scrolling through TV looking for these kind of shows and, and, and stumbled across this one on the Discovery Channel. You could tell it was one of those ones that made like seven episodes and then the, the network cut it because it wasn't that fantastic. But still, this moment, I'll never forget, it was this American guy who was trying to really act like a cowboy who you could tell wasn't really like a cowboy. And then another guy who looked like me but was saying that he was full Native American from the Cherokee tribe or something like that. And I'm like, this is just awesome. But these two were sent into the wilderness and would compare each other's survival techniques and see who could survive the best over a week. And so they're in like the, the desert somewhere in America. I can't even remember where, but like lost, like just red and mountain, you know, kind of the, those rain, looks like the Grand Canyon kind of thing. And they're out there and they're like, I would do this. He's like, I wouldn't do this. My ancestors would always say, and it was like, you're wrong. Yeehaw. You know, that kind of show. And, and I'm watching this like, this is, this is bad. Like, this is almost like married at first sight bad acting. Like, this is really bad. And just side note, if you watch that, like, Shame on you, like, turn it off. Come on now, surely. 
Surely collectively, no one feels judged us saying, that's a new low. <laughs> like, God's ways are higher than married at first sight. His thoughts are higher than married at first sight. Okay. And so this, this is like bad acting. But I'm sitting there watching this bit. They're, they're so hungry and they're so thirsty. It's been like, it's like day number three or something like that. And they're like in the shade. And, and the, the cowboy guy spots a rattlesnake. Like, couldn't get any more American than this right now. He's like, yeehaw, that rattlesnake. <laughs> Goes over there and, woo! And, and this thing, like, crawls under this, like, kind of t- piece of tin. And he gets this stick out and, to his credit, figures out a way with a stick to kill a rattlesnake. Like, I, I would never, I wouldn't go after any, I wouldn't go after an earthworm. Like, I'm like, uh-uh. And so this guy, like, figures out a way to kill the rattlesnake. And they're building a fire and he puts it on the fire. And this bit just, I don't know why, this is like 10 years ago. This bit never left my mind. As hungry as they were, as desperate for food and protein as they were, the Indian looks at him and says, I will not eat any of that. Because my body is in dehydration, even though it needs protein, the protein will absorb the rest of the water in my body, making me even more dehydrated. And I'm there like, that's the stupidest TV show I've ever seen. But that's a fascinating point. Like this guy's sitting there and he's like, you're wrong. I'm going to eat this here and I'm like, yeehaw, made myself a little necklace and everything. I'm going to give it to my mother, who's my lover, who's my sister-in-law, who's my grandfather's cousin. It's like, <laughs> West Virginia, where everybody's everybody's cousin. <laughs> I used to say these jokes about Tasmania, but some of the nicest people in our church are from Tasmania, so now I don't make those jokes anymore. God bless you, all you beautiful Tassie people. I just did. I did it in a way, though. I did it in a way where I can't get in trouble, right? Like, that was pretty sneaky of me. I used to pay Hannah out for this, but now I know it's just it's a sneaky way of doing the same thing. So anyway, so this redneck is sitting there just chowing into this kind of rattlesnake and, and getting all get and this Indian just refuses to. He just he's sitting at the side, he's like, no, no, we need water before we need that. As much as we need protein, we need water first. And I'm just like that thought just stayed with me. And it resonated with me so much, the more and more and more I I did youth ministry and young adult ministry at church, worked in high schools, and, and now just continuing to get to pastor and see people in their stage of life, it never ceases to amaze me, this principle. This principle that what we think we need, and in a way will make us feel more satisfied than we are now, is not actually what we need. What we think we need, and in a way, the moment we receive it or, or, or take it in, does make us feel more energetic, does make us feel more loved, does make us feel more joy or more happiness, isn't what we really need. In fact, it's working counter to what we really need. I know, I know that there are so many things that actually feel fantastic in the moment. Lots of us, and I've said this again and again and again, and they're not even evil things. That's what we have to point out. Sometimes we just do away with evil things. But today, I'm not even going to talk about evil things. Here's here's my point. What are you focusing on that might not be evil, but is stopping you longing for living water? What temporary hit 
again and again and again. Are you chasing and craving and looking to, and if I just get enough hits and hits and hits and hits, then I never stop to recognize that that's actually not helping me, that I don't actually need that. It's actually making me addicted to it. I, I'm like attached to it. Now I can't go without it. And, and, and it makes me feel good, but it's, it's feeling is very temporary. And this feeling alone is stopping me recognizing I need living water. It's a scary thing. It's a scary place to be in when we think that if I've got this, 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 then Jesus is an option. That's a scary place for a Christian to get to. If Jesus is an option to you or an add-on, today with all the love in my heart, I want to lovingly challenge you to come back to Him. Sometimes when our bank account is full and our health report is full and everything, our friend circles are great and our family's going well, we don't realize how much we need Jesus. It's very easy to be a Christian in today's society when everything is going well. And to call yourself a Christian is simply that you own a Bible and go to a church every now and again. But more to the point, I always ask myself this because, we, you know, sometimes we get to go overseas and do mission trips, and sometimes we get to work with other people in our, our movement, like Richard Green, who's planning churches through the Middle East and through Central Asia and through Russia and incredibly persecuted times. And we get to meet the people like from their pastors from there last year from Kazakhstan came out and we get to chat to them. And here's what I just keep doing. I don't know if you want to join me. Here's what I keep doing. God, if you put me there, will my faith survive? Because over there, your, your faith isn't surviving because you're going to a great restaurant or you get a holiday once a year or because your bank account's full or because, you know, your Instagram account's going really well. Like over there, you've got Jesus or nothing. And so I have to ask myself how my faith is now, how my journey with Jesus is now. Would that survive there? And if your answer is no, then I don't want you to feel condemned or judged in any way, shape, or form. But I do want it to be a light bulb moment where you realize what you're actually meant to be working on this year. It's not getting your morals better. Don't even worry about that. Just spend more time with him. That's it. That's what we're talking about today. The first thing that he, that he highlights, the first thing that he brings up here is such a simple statement, but such a wow moment. He looks at this woman, and it, the statement shows that it never hinges on him, it hinges on us. Jesus' statement to the woman is, if only you knew. What a statement. Amen? If only you knew the gift of God that was before you. He's saying... My sovereignty, my deity, my power, my endless love, my salvation, that doesn't hinge on me. If only you knew who I was. If only you knew what I could do for you. If only you knew how much I want to move in your world. If only you knew. That statement should be such a wow moment for you this morning. Because once again, I believe Jesus is here right now. And his work in your heart. He's not hinging on who he is. 
It's not hinging on if only you prayed more. It's not hinging on if only you loved me more. It's not hinging on if only you read more, if only you gave more, if only you served more, if only you did more, if only you were nicer, if only you were cool, if only, if only, if if only you knew, if only you get it, who I am. Then, then you'd ask me for living water and I'd give it. That statement should blow us away because Jesus' offer of water was not hinging on your performance, but on you asking. It's like, if you ask me and I would give it. If you knew, then you would ask me and I would give it. It's a definite. That should make you very happy. Come on now. You can be with me this morning. If only you asked me, I would give it. But for you to ask me, you need to know. If only you knew. If only you knew how empty everything else was and how satisfying I am. If only you knew that God was for you. If only you knew that God loves you so much more than any other human could love you. If only you knew that you cannot be any more loved by God than you are the moment you put your faith in Jesus on the cross. If only you knew that you're a direct son or daughter of the Most High God right now. If only you knew that you're a new creation straight away. Old things are gone, new things have come. Verse 8, all this is from God. If only you knew that He formed you in your mother's womb. If only you knew that there is neither height, nor depth, nor principality, nor power, nor angel, nor demon that could separate you from the love of God. If only you knew, then you would ask Him and He would give it. It's not hinging on your performance. If only you knew what you could get from God when we worship after this. If only you knew, you'd ask. And if you ask, you get. That's, that's a beautiful truth right there, friend. If only you knew, you would ask. And if you would ask, you would get living water, more of Jesus, more of Jesus, more of Jesus. It's obviously not a physical water. Spiritual, living water. Satisfy your soul. Remove any form of other longing for things that God, God Him. If only you knew. I almost forgot to say this, Pastor Wendy, and I just remembered then and getting excited about what we could ask God for. If only we knew that God is good, if only we knew that He's for us, then I think we see a church asking for miracles. I think we see a church asking for healings. And this week, after all last year, Pastor Wendy had stage four cancer and did a PET scan and a CT scan. The doctor's report not, said, could not be any better. Perfect report. Let's give God some glory. Let's give God that praise. Could not be any better. So thank you. On behalf of Pastors Wendy and Pastor Graham, who's overseas for work right now, um, they are amazing. If you're visiting with us, they're executive pastors, been here 28 years, and... They are at the absolute best. And so, come on now. Let's give God some praise. Hey, friend, if only you knew, then you'd stop asking for acceptance out there and approval out there and satisfaction out there. I think we'd turn to him more.
Amen? When Jesus is a religion, you won't turn to him. When Jesus is Savior, Redeemer, Sovereign, Author, and Perfector of your faith, when you know that, you will ask and he will give. If only you knew. I love this when the woman's like, where are we going to get this water? What are you going to do with this water and, and this water? And he's like, well, go and get your husband. And he's talking about where she's craving for satisfaction. He's talking he, straight away. It seems random. Like, well, where are you going to get this water? Go and get your husband. It just seems weird. What he's highlighting in her is what she has been doing to satisfy a thirst, an internal thirst. And my question to you this morning is, what water are you chasing you can only climb the corporate ladder so long there is only so many paychecks and pay rises and that that feeling of wow and and it's in my bank account it's fleeting I don't care who you are this morning I, I am convinced of that that is a promise to you money is a fleeting temporary joy absolutely people who win the lottery It's not long before they're broke again. People who get all this money, and it's not long before their relationships are doing this. Money is a temporary joy. What about relationships in society? People going from dating to dating to dating, trying to feel loved or find that joy and find that acceptance and approval, and it's temporary. They do get it. They do get that hit. Don't hear me right here. Oh, my goodness. He's so wonderful. We watched The Notebook the other night, and he looked at me, and he said, if you're a bird, I'm a bird. And we looked at each other, and we said, let's be birds. And so it was just like, <laughs> months later, he abandoned me. Can you believe it? My best friend and I, like, I know we were always going to the same restaurants together and hanging out together and beach walks together. I just didn't see it coming. I can't believe he left me. And months later, oh, my goodness, I met someone else. He's the one. It's fantastic. Temporary drinks. It's temporary water. It feels fantastic, but it's, it's temporary. Social media should highlight this to us. How many of us... Where's my phone? I left it down there in Hannah Look at this. Like, how many people wake up in the morning before you even turn to the spouse and say, morning, love you. It's like, did they follow me back? Like, did they, did they like... How many people liked my photo overnight? Did, who shared it? I didn't make it public... Kill me now! Oh, now it's public. All right. I wonder if anyone shares my awesome article on veganism doing wonders for the natural body in the seventh realm of the light work. I don't care. And oh, look at this. I took enough likes and shared. Did he follow me? He didn't follow me back. Well, unfollow to you. Stuff you! And all these things were... This is true. It releases dopamine in your brain. The same as drugs when you get a like or a follow. That's true. And we're there daily, seven hours a day, eight hours a day. I don't do it that long. I just did it for half hour lunch break, an hour in the morning. I was waiting for a meeting, so five minutes there, five minutes there. I was watching TV for three hours, but I didn't know what I was watching because I was kind of scrolling through and reading articles. Just trying to help you see what is that. I need another drink. I need another drink. I need another drink. I'm coming here every day. I need another drink. 
This woman's going, first husband didn't work, second husband didn't work, third husband didn't work. Maybe the fourth one, he's the right one, didn't work. Maybe the fifth one, he's the right one, didn't work. Well, maybe it's marriage. Maybe marriage is the issue. Maybe if I just keep like, going with this person, living with this person, sleeping with this person, maybe then that'll do it. No, 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 no. This is the most important message I can preach because this world, a real devil trying to fill you with temporary water. And it makes me sad how many times I look to it. I do it as well. And unless we're aware of it, we're not breaking it to look for Jesus. Unless we're aware of it, unless we know, if only you knew, if only you knew, if only you knew, then we keep coming back to chasing the wrong water, temporary water, more money, more love, more acceptance, more followers, more relationships, more houses, more, more things. Give me more and more and more clothes and more holiday. Give me more, give me more. And it's, it's temporary, church. It's temporary. And so here's the other step where it becomes really scary as well. What are we seeing people saved into? When people join our church that don't know Jesus and meet Jesus here, we then get to disciple them in who Jesus is. And if we paint Jesus as a God who wants to give us stuff, then suddenly they start longing for stuff. Whereas if we can paint Jesus in a way as a God who wants to give us himself, who died on the cross an excruciating death to give us himself, then suddenly start to, people start to chase Jesus. And yes, he brings stuff, but sometimes he takes stuff. But that's both okay because we have Jesus. And if your faith is hinging on how much stuff you have right now, you're going to hate him when he brings a trial your way, which he does. And we start to see that Jesus is the only living water. Jesus then points this woman to the very natural overflow of that. She then goes, I'll finish with this. This this just... If only you knew, you'd chase the right water, and, and here's, here's what he finishes with. She goes, sir, give me this living water. Please, sir, please, sir, please, sir, please, sir, give me this water. And it seems random, but watch what he does. Hey, um, do you know the Father is looking for people to worship him? Please, sir, give me this water. Do you know your, your Father in heaven is looking for people to long for him? He gives us the answer. Please give me this water. You want water? Worship. You want, wa- you want to be satisfied? You want to feel whole? You want to have the cares of the weak wash away? You want to be filled with faith and hope and joy yet again? Worship. And then it, I love his disclaimer. My gosh, I love his disclaimer. It doesn't even matter where you do it. It doesn't matter where you do it. The time is coming and it's here now. Father's looking for people to worship Him in spirit and truth. doesn't matter where you do it. Spirit and truth. Spirit, it's from your heart. It doesn't matter if your hands are lifted or not, eyes closed, if you're singing in key or not. That's not it. Worship God in spirit from your heart. And in truth, be real with Him. When you worship God, be real with Him. I am. He's not looking for a performance in worship, in my opinion. He's looking for you. That's worshiping in truth. It's, oh, God, I cannot see you. 
I cannot see your hand right now in my world. You said you'd always be there. You'd never leave me. You'd never forsake me. And I cannot feel your presence. But I'm still going to worship you. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Give God a sacrifice of praise. What does that mean? When you don't feel like doing it. When it's not natural. You push yourself into that spot and suddenly it starts to change you. Suddenly you start drinking living water. And in the very presence of God, things start shifting and things start changing. And even if your circumstance doesn't change, joy changes. Your perspective changes. Your faith in God changes. Your gratitude changes. Your longing for Him changes. Your love for the world dies. Things change in the presence of God. And we get to stand before Him together. Do you know how much He loves you? Any idea? If only you knew, if only you knew the God that was in this house, if only you knew how much God loves you, if only you knew, then right now as we worship, you would abandon everything to stand before Him and say, God, I'm yours. Amen.